Welcome to the Consulting Pipeline Podcast. Today, I'm going to play for you a conversation I had with Mike McDermott. Mike is the co-founder and current CEO of FreshBooks, which is an online accounting software. Had to catch myself there. I was going to say an online invoicing uh, SaaS, which is how they started life and since then have grown into something more fully featured. And that in and of itself is a pretty interesting story that Mike touches on a little bit as we're in this conversation talking largely about positioning, but some other topics as well, like publishing a book that sort of thing. So anyway, um, Mike came on the show and we, we talk largely about positioning, but as we talk, I, I think you'll find some ad- interesting adjacent topics in there. And it's, it's somewhat rare that you get to hear from the CEO of a uh, mid-sized SaaS company, their take on strategic issues like picking a market and making big changes to the business, that kind of thing. So you'll hear some of that in my conversation with Mike today. I very much hope you enjoy it as much as I did. So, Mike McDermott, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. <laughs> I kept yeah. you off guard. Delighted to be here. I, somehow you managed that. Yeah, or I, uh, I guess that's on me. But <laughs> I've, I've got a leg up on my guest already. <laughs> so, Mike, um, a lot, some folks are going to know who you are. You're associated with FreshBooks. Maybe that'll trigger a few memories, but others won't. So, for their benefit. Could you say who you are and what you do? Yeah. Um, so my name is Mike McDermott. I'm the co-founder and CEO of FreshBooks. Um, you know, maybe I'll give you a little background on me just to put this whole conversation in context. But uh, I, once upon a time, was a, a consultant that had an area of specialization, and I was using Word and Excel to bill my clients. I uh, saved over an invoice and said, there's got to be a better way to do this. Ended up uh, applying some of the skills from that firm into uh, building what is now, you know, the world's leading uh, accounting software in the cloud designed exclusively for um, folks who get paid for their time and expertise. So people who send invoices. Um, that's uh, so we've been at for a while now. As I like to say, if you invoice, you need FreshBooks. We've got about 20 million people have used the service since we started. And um, it's, been, it's been a lot of fun building out the business. So just a little more detail on FreshBooks for, for, so folks can understand, like, this is not some hobby SaaS software you're running. You guys are a pretty big company, right? Yeah, that's 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 true. Now, I mean, I I feel like we're still small in the grand scheme of things, but we're you know we're bigger than ninety nine point nine percent of uh, of businesses. So we're we're about three hundred people. Uh, you know, for those who like to keep score this way, in the past sort of three four years, we've raised you know getting up towards a hundred million dollars. Um, it's uh, you know it's a good sized business going at a great clip. And, um, uh, you know, it's been a lot of fun, you know, going from that, that services world to the product world I live in today. So <clears throat> I was going to ask you one question and see where we go from there. My one question was, you're, you're sort of at the apex of this pyramid. You have to have seen a lot of data or um, situations with your customers, not that you would share anything about any particular customers, but I I was curious your thoughts about specialization from that very interesting perspective. But before we get there, can we kind of roll back the clock? What sort of consultant were you? What did you do when you were consulting? Yeah. So, um, my story as a consultant is, um, I got into it in kind of a backwards way. Uh, I, I left business school in fourth year. I started two businesses, 
One of them was an events business. Um, to promote the event every year, I started building websites. And um, that led me down a path where the caterer for that event business needed a website. So I, I started building websites for other people. Mm. And uh, this was like 1999, 2000. And so it was a pretty novel thing to be doing at the time. And I just liked doing it. And as soon as I started building websites for people, I said, hey, what's the point of building a site unless people show up? Uh, and so I got very interested in internet marketing. And um, that was kind of an interesting cottage industry at the time. And so I, I got into that. And then I started asking myself, hey, uh, what's the point of, I've got these clients, I'm driving traffic to their site. But what's the point of doing that unless it's the right kind of traffic and it, it converts in the right way? And so sort of evolved my practice from building websites to helping with internet marketing to what, where it finally wound up was what I called conversion consulting. And what we would do is we would, we, most of the clients at the end were like, you already have a website, you already have a lot of traffic, let's help you generate more sales from that traffic and then we can think about spending more dollars uh, to drive more traffic. So it was a, a bit of an evolution and, and uh, interestingly, different degrees of specialization uh, along the way. Yeah, what kind of time frame are we talking about here from the earliest thing you mentioned to you being a, a conversion optimization consultant? So it was probably about a, to be honest, about a three or three and a half year um, evolution. All right. So uh, this is so interesting to me because it's clear to me that you didn't just camp out at, well, I build websites and, you know, that's pretty decent money. It's, it's better than being a, you know, some, it's better than a lot of other jobs. What, what, why didn't you just stay, stick with that? Like what, what kept driving you to the next thing? Yeah, I think, um, and I think I use that turn of phrase, but the old uh, follow, uh, follow my nose, um, I think uh, baked into side of me, um, you know, I think there's a lot of small business owners and, and people, we, we serve them out there. Some folks are, uh, you know, hardwired entrepreneurs. And I, mm -hmm. I probably fall a little more into that latter category. Mm -hmm. So anytime I'm doing something, I'm always kind of wondering either how to do it better or, you know, is there another thing that I just haven't seen yet that's a step beyond this? And, uh, or, you know, you talk with a customer and you're like, oh, that's interesting. Geez, that's a whole bunch of problems. I, I wonder if other people have those problems. How, how might we help you with that? And so I, th that's kind of the way my, my brain works. And so, as I say, if you follow the you know, the, 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 my story, like, you know, living it, there was no clear path, believe mm -hmm. me. Um, yeah. but looking, looking back, you know, you go from business school to starting a couple businesses to, you know, um, serving, you know, starting to learn a new skill to promote them, to taking that skill to serve other people, to evolving that practice. And then ultimately, you know, save over an invoice and go in an entirely new direction, scratching my own problem, my own itch. Um, I think that's the, that's the thread. What, what happens, like, what's your relationship to risk? What's, what's the biggest, um, I hope you don't mind me asking these really nosy questions, but they're, they're at least interesting to me. So what, what's the biggest amount of money you've risked? Oh, it, it all, I mean, I think it's all relative, right? Sure. Uh -huh. um, you know, I probably risk, you know, more dollars today with less risk than I used to you know, when I got started where uh -huh. it was smaller dollars, but more risk. So, so it really is all, all, all relative. And, uh, you know, I think, um, 
I, you know, I, I'm more generally interested in, in solving people's problems and pursuing opportunities. And then, you know, you just somehow you try to take the risk out of that because it's really exciting and uh, energizing to like to solve those kinds of problems and serve people. Uh, and so the risk is is a um, it's always there. Mm-hmm. The question is, are you excited about where you might be able to get to? And can you find ways to de-risk your path from here to there? So that, that would be how I think about it. If you're asking, how do I think about it? <laughs> that is, that's, that's my answer. Yeah. Well, that's really what I was trying to get to um, by asking about behavior. So it sounds like you're, you're, you see the opportunity that's at the other end of, a, you know, you pull the thread of a problem and you see the opportunity that that leads you to. What happens in the middle for you? Like, how do you go from, oh, this looks like a problem to I'm going to now invest the next phase of my consulting career in solving this problem? Do you do some kind of formal validation or is there something else that happens? No, I think one of the things that maybe makes me a little different than some folks is um, there's, um, you know, whenever you see one of these opportunities, you might think of it like you're standing way up high on a clifftop. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's another cliff top, of, I don't know, 30 meters away from you. Yeah. Um, and the question is, do you make the jump from one cliff top to another? And uh, I think a lot of people, they, they run up to the edge of that cliff top and they say, like, no, um, I'm good. Uh-huh. I'm, up. I'm good. That, uh-huh. That's nice. And I think I've always found it more interesting to try and figure out how to jump off the cliff top realize you're actually not going to land on the top of the other cliff top, but somehow you figure out how to land safely before you hit the ground and maybe climb back up to that other cliff top. Right. So what does that look like? So, so when you saw this conversion optimization opportunity, you had one client for that, or you saw a bunch of clients for that, or what did that look like? Okay, sorry, and you make it more real. So that's the kind of like uh, psychological. Uh, let's go to how does it actually play out in practice? Um, you know, I, what it would happen is I would be solving my my clients' problems of today, which did not necessarily involve conversion consulting. Right. And uh, and in my journey to do that, I'm I'm learning about stuff. I'm reading you know new materials and uh, and trying out new tests and experiments uh, with that client. And basically what happened was I unlocked some, some new knowledge and information and training and that kind of thing. And uh, I started to see, hey, there's this path to like basically offering a, a more evolved uh, service to my clients. And um, that would actually be you know, interesting to me as well. But basically it was, it was like a better... It was like a better solution for my clients. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that's what compelled me to say, hey, you know, there's this other path we can take and this is how it'll work. And, um, you know, see if they would opt into that. And if not, you know, find a way to influence them or another client to try it out and then, you know, have some success with that and then just start a change over time. Then, you know, sometimes you start out with a client who sees you one way and your whole practice has changed and you can't get them to see you another way. And other times... Uh, you can, you know, you engage them for one service and, you know, you can bring them on the journey of like together, we're going to, we're going to move up the, the food chain here and do more sophisticated stuff. And, and they're with you with that. And they, they, they see the evolution or a part of it. Uh, I had both kinds of clients in my roster, ended up kind of ultimately moving away from and sort of firing those clients who wouldn't, wouldn't change their perspective with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, that's the, that's the gist. 
Got it. So was there any point, so you kind of became more and more specialized. You went from, I don't know, web guy. <laughs> Did you ever call yourself a web guy? Probably, yeah. <laughs> to, you know, internet marketing, to conversion rate optimization. Uh, as you further specialized, what sorts of things changed in your business other than what you did? That obviously changed, but were there other changes as well, or was it still kind of the same business, just more specialized? Well, I would say, uh, you know, in a way, everything changed, right? So um, how I spent my time changed. Uh, the, the, the way I built a team around me changed. The way we marketed and communicated our services changed. I get more specific about each one of these, but but effectively, um, yeah. I mean, it's subtle. Like you're in many ways doing the same kind of work, but you're not. You're not at all. And you're not coming at problems the same way. And it's that different approach, uh, you know, as squishy as it sounds, that makes all the difference. Yeah. So what, what do you mean by that? Like coming at problems in a different way? What What's different about it? So as a web guy, you know, I would build a website. It's, it's a great analogy. So we're going to build a website. What's a web guy do? Well, how many pages do you need it to be? You know, what do you want to look and feel like? You know, okay, I'm going to build you a website. Um and by the way, let's talk about pricing. This is a great exercise. Let's do this. So, so that's like, and here's a brochure. Here's how much I charge you per web page. Mm-hmm. Okay, got it. As an SEO person, it's like, uh, or an internet marketing person, it's like, okay, we're going to build a website or you already have one. Not only am I going to build you the pages, but I'm going to make sure that they're, you know, they're set up to attract, you know, visitors and traffic um, that have high volume and, um, uh, that will be interested in in what you do, and so then you know you're building a website, but you're bringing a different lens to every page and the way it's constructed. Now you're starting to, for those of you who are familiar with websites, you want to think not only about the pages and how you design them, but also what other websites are pointing uh, to that website to give it more influence and rank and help it uh, do better in the search engine result pages. So that's mm-hmm. that's what an SEO person's thinking about. Mm-hmm. And then in the third incarnation, the conversion consulting, you're saying okay, um, you know, most of the clients were established at that point. It's like, well, how much traffic do you have today? How many sales are you doing? Um, I'm going to help you through a collection of, you know, a, a bunch of skills from designing pages to using, you know, SEO to using the design and construction of pages to influence certain outcomes that you're driving to take your sales from X to Y. Uh, and, uh, and that, again, is a different approach because I'm not just thinking about building web pages or generating volume of traffic. I'm actually now starting to think about, you know, first of all, well, let's do something with the traffic we have and and design the site and write the copy and place the buttons and everything else to generate a greater number of sales or leads or whatever it is based on that exact same site. And by the way, we're going to measure those. And what you're paying me for now are the outcomes and the sales, not the construction of the web pages or how many visitors you get. So what changes did you notice in how you built trust with those? It sounds like really three distinct different types of clients. I'd be surprised if, well, it sounds like some clients did follow you through this progression, but others did not. Did did, did you build trust differently? Did you have, um, I mean, your expertise was obviously different along this journey as well. But how did, how did that change? So I, I got to give a little plug. So so one thing, just so I don't forget to say it, um, I actually wrote a book about pricing your services because I think that was one of the biggest changes. The work we did was different, but 
actually how we communicated with customers was one of the biggest changes. And uh, I read a book about it called Breaking the Time Barrier. It's about value pricing or value-based pricing. And um, it's actually been downloaded a quarter of a million times. You download it for free, check it out, Breaking the Time Barrier. Um, what that book does is it it actually kind of takes you on the journey that's an answer to your, your question, Philip. And uh, it really is, it's kind of like a before and after. Like before I sold people uh, and I communicated with them, like here's a brochure of the services I offer, right? So we just met, you know, and, um, you know, nice to meet you. And I'm sitting at the table, I'm saying, here's what I do, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then by the end of it, it's like, I go to a meeting and it's all about the customer. It's like, what do you do? Like, what problem are you trying to solve? Can I help you solve it? Because maybe I can't, right? right? But if I can, okay, this would be the approach. Here's the kind of a impact I think I could have. Is that interesting to you? If so, I'll go away and do some work and come back with a proposal. And and those are, those are very different um, fundamentally different uh, approaches. Right. I'm, I'm picturing a restaurant menu <laughs> sort of on the, on in the earlier part of your career, you're laying out the menu. What do you want to order yeah. in the latter part? There's no menu. There's you coming in doing what I'm doing now, asking a lot of nosy questions. And then from that something, maybe it looks like a project. Maybe it looks like a referral to somebody else, or maybe it looks like, Hey, I don't want to waste any more of your time. I can't help. That's right. And I think one of the things that the difference is like, you know, with the brochure approach, like, hey, this is what I offer and how much it costs uh, is is more transactional. You're being upfront about your price, but people are buying that thing. In the latter approach, it's a seek to understand, really try to forge, like build build partnership with the prospective client, right? Like, if I understand your problems well, and by the way, I've, I've asked you a bunch of questions. Is this, is, is what I heard correct? Like, do I understand this correctly? And if so, you know, do, do I understand the scale of the problem you have read opportunity if we do this right? And, and if all that's true, let me come back to you with something where I think I can help you achieve your goal. And I'm going to charge you a percentage of that, you know, that goal, but um, that is, uh, we're going to be in partnership, right? Cause I'm going to give you one price and we're going to drive towards that goal. And we're going to be in it together from that point forward. So, so much more a partnership where I'm bringing expertise because I've done this before. Um, and, uh, you know, all of that leads to, you know, frankly, more trust. Yeah. And I, I want to say to the folks listening, I, I've read this book. <laughs> Mike's talking about uh, was it breaking the time barrier. Yeah. If I kind of trace back to the first point that I got Dis, completely dissatisfied with hourly billing, not just because of how it felt to do it, but for sort of philosophical reasons, that book was what caused that. So I've got a note to circle back a little later in this conversation, Mike, and ask you about publishing a book, because uh, I think folks in the audience might be interested to hear what that was like. Anyway, um, so did you have fears around specializing? I am sort of guessing not because I'm getting sense that you, like a lot of other entrepreneurs are wired to see the opportunity. And that opportunity is what contextualizes risk and fear. And so you don't probably don't focus on those as much, but tell me if I'm wrong. Did you at some point go, gosh, this seems so specialized. How will I find enough clients? That kind of thing. 
Yeah, I think uh, what we had going for us was I think we were so far ahead. Um, and, you know, because if you think of like the early 2000s and you're talking about conversion rate optimization and, you know, people on the show may know what that is. But uh, I'll tell you, back then, nobody did. Right. It's <laughs> um, a bless- so- blessing and a curse, right? Well, it is a blessing and a curse, but it meant that there, you know, there were a select few people out there looking for things and gosh, if we weren't, you know, available on the internet and, you know, uh, that's how we found it. And and we get referrals uh, from our clients to other clients and that's how we built most of the business. So, so it, you know, it wasn't as much of a concern there. Uh, So we had a specialization. I didn't specialize so I could market better. Um, it was, it was more, I specialized and then I had to figure out, oh yeah, let's be clear to the market about what we are and how we're different. So I I came out a little differently. Um, but I like, let me say this, uh, I've encountered it with fresh books, right? Because, Hey, we're chasing this massive accounting software market. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you sit there and you say, you know, high level, like this market's enormous. I don't want to give any of it up. Um, but what we've actually done is, uh, and I think it's the thing that makes FreshBooks most different from everything else, is we've actually done that. We've said, you know what, like 40% of the market, we're not interested in at all. We don't serve restaurants. We don't serve retail. We, we just serve people who send invoices, mm-hmm. get paid for their time and expertise. And that lets us make a simpler product that's better suited to their needs. And and by, by virtue of that, when people find us, they love us and they're more likely to refer because they can feel the difference between us and like every other kind of accounting software they've ever met before. Right. Um, and, and that, I think, is the, the benefit of specialization. And the question is just how narrow do you go? And so uh, there have been many times that I've, you know, we take our customers out to dinner. I'll be sitting next to somebody and they'll be, you know, like, you know, I'm an IT consultant. And I'll say, OK, great. That's a form of specialization. Like, do you have an industry you work for in particular? And I've met people who specialize in IT for the hospitality industry, right? And uh, what happens is uh, once you start going down that specialization route, um, you know, by and large, you do a better job for your existing customers and you start to attract customers where you can take the knowledge you've developed and deploy it, you know, for, for great, you know, really financial gain for you, but you know, frankly, competence gain for your customers. Uh, which is uh, which is you know very exciting. Um, so um, uh, that that's uh, I, I really do I do believe I think it's a very uncomfortable thing because if you're thinking about it you know logically you're saying well if I specialize less of the market will be available to me so I will have less chance of success. But the, the reality is actually the complete opposite, which is hey it's a big and messy market. Uh, if you can specialize, the people, you, you, your conversion rate, ironically, will go way, way up with the kinds of customers you really want to serve, like the focus target customer. And and then once you get more of those customers, they'll lead you to more of those customers. It gets to be this like flywheel that gets going. And if you're a very general offering available for everybody, you never get there. And you don't develop the specialization that you need to really deliver for your clients. And so the flywheel just doesn't go. So there's two there's two facets to that I want to explore. One is the sort of individual service provider angle. So yeah, you know, I've I've seen FreshBooks do something that is it feels comparatively rare in the SaaS world, even though you've got, you know, Jeffrey Moore urging people to do it, which is, you know, you've picked a, a smaller than hundred percent of the market market, right? Uh, I've seen like ConvertKit do this, uh, and there are others. Uh, I think, um, gosh, who's the other uh, email marketing provider that did a pretty good job of this? 
campaign monitor. Not thinking of drip. I'm uh, Infusionsoft did did a sort of variation of this. Anyway, what did it take to make that decision? For uh, I mean, I assume it was somewhat of a a joint decision or a collaborative decision. But what did it take to make that decision for FreshBooks? Well, I th- I think it took actually. Um, you know, we came out with it sort of baked in, but the hard part was maintaining it. Um, so because I built it for myself, we started out as just invoicing, right? Right? Because, you know, for most people who are consultants in this kind of thing, that, that actually, that's actually 95% of your accounting is receivables, right? It's sending invoices, following up on them, making sure the check gets to the bank. Um, you know, there's a whole bunch of problems in there that that we went ahead and solved like the world had never seen before. And so um, that was all very, very powerful. And so um, uh, the, the punchline is um, we, we came at it honestly. And then I was like, well, I, I, I like this problem of scratching my own itch because I understand, you know, what customers are trying to achieve and what success looks like. So let's stay focused there. So that was one part. The other part was we knew we were competing with, you know, a multi-billion dollar company who had all of the market, right? You're talking about so, Quicken? Uh, yeah, effectively. So yeah. So we we knew that taking them on, and this is where the readings of Jeffrey Moore helped give us more conviction around this. Mm-hmm. Um, but like we knew we couldn't go head to head and do everything for everyone. And we actually came to believe, and I still do, if you're everything for everyone, you're nothing for no one, right? right. Like it's, yeah. uh, pardon the double negatives, but, but um uh, so, so we said, Hey, listen, we're just going to pick a segment of the market that we're going to get a disproportionate share of. Uh, it's a huge market. And by the way, by making those choices, we're going to be able to better serve our customers and that feels good. Right. And then because we've served them better, they're going to take care of our marketing for us because they're going to know that we're for them and that other people like them should use us. And, and that's been the story. So that was, it sounds to me like looking for a head start. Where do we have an advantage already rather than where can we, uh, pivot to or create something out of whole cloth. Am I getting that right? I I, I would say I'm I yes, and l- we can talk about that a whole bunch if you're interested because I think there's a, a lot in there. I am interested. What what did you have in mind, Mike? <laughs> well, maybe I'll, I'll be concise about it, but I, I think um, uh, I, I think there are certain kinds of entrepreneurs and business people and stuff like that who will go and say. Um, here's a segment of the market. We are going to go and serve them. And they literally start at the whiteboard. Right. Uh, most people, and I'll put myself in this box, um, you know, are not necessarily like that. Like understanding the problem you're solving and the end customer and doing it from first principles. Like if I started another business, I might take the whiteboard approach, mm-hmm. but most of us actually need to have a more affinity for the problem at hand. Uh, to, to take that theoretical approach and make it real. And so we start kind of from the bottoms up. And uh, and then even once you get in there, I will say, you know, I have met some people who like make life way too complicated. Um, but nine times out of 10, most entrepreneurs uh, or business owners or whatever, you know, like a uh, category of business person I'm speaking with, um, they underestimate the size of the market with whatever they're doing now. And they think the easy thing to do is, well, we'll just expand and make ourselves available to more people. And, you know, I'd bet you nine times out of 10, actually you should probably focus more and go to fewer. Uh, and even if you just stayed where you are, just find a better way to execute it uh, versus, you know, going with whole cloth and going out to a new thing. And I think, I think the instincts most people have around this stuff are actually the wrong ones. 
I have my own theories about why people underestimate market size. What do you, have you ever thought about why? Um, I mean, it's okay if not, I'm just curious. Why do you think people underestimate market size? I think because they're not growing as fast as they think or they want right now. And oh, so the and that's like, you that, know, that's the convenient scapegoat. Oh, the market's not big enough. Yeah. That, that's my take. Interesting. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. I, I think it's because the world is so freaking huge <laughs> that we have to, we have all these filters to make it a manageable, um, you know, just all these uh, heuristics. Right. And I think that that causes us to underestimate as well. It's just, it's, it's sort of emotionally overwhelming to understand how big the world is, how many people are here, how much diversity there is. I like your explanation though. I think that's, that's right on. Both, both are true. If you could really comprehend how big it is, you know, yeah, you'd probably fall over. So, okay, so you favored the, um, we have a head start, we have some access in this market. Let's just, I mean, is it fair to say, let's just formalize that? We're already set up to serve this market pretty well. Let's just make that explicit in how we talk about our, our software and our business. Uh, yes, I think that's the, that's, that's one part of it. And then, you know, like, and by being more explicit about it, let's, you know, let's go out and, you know, like, execute better for this smaller, better defined group. Because another problem which people don't realize is when you try to go serve everybody, well, then you have to actually try and serve all of their needs. And you end up with like a Frankenstein product because, you know, the bigger the market, the less consistency and need you have uh, and, and expectation. So you're trying to, you get very inconsistent signals when you're speaking with customers, like it's a, you know, end up with like a peanut butter solution that kind of does lots of things for lots of people, but nobody actually loves. Um, yeah. Was there inertia that you had to overcome as you were starting to formalize this specialization for FreshBooks? Uh, as I say, I think we kind of started out with it. Okay. Um, I think it was more around, uh, we also had a good mentor who had a marketing background. I was a big fan of like, you know, pick a vertical or a niche and stay there. Like, so it's interesting. He, he was communicating the, uh, the, the more stuff. I, I don't think he knew about it, but his, mm -hmm. uh, he was like a retired executive and I just knew that that's how you sort of win markets. Um, so, uh, so, so no, we didn't come at it there. Okay. Uh, so it, it wasn't like that for us. So what parts were difficult or challenging in, in actually execute, like implementing this and making it real? Um, well, first of all, I'd say like our work is not done there. Like I, you know, I get frustrated with, you know, how we've done it already, you know, today, <laughs> you know, it's uh, uh, even in like, I'll go with even in uh, our conversion rate optimization business. If we go back to the consulting, yeah. we were pretty generic in terms of industry that we served, right? Like we probably could have picked industries where we could have uh, just, just focused on them, you know, like, I don't know, is it pharmaceuticals? Is it, you know, restaurants, you know, like there, there's a whole bunch of, we could have picked some sub segments in there and gotten like domain knowledge across them that would have been helpful to us. So um, I, I think, I think it's always hard. Right. And this is, you know, you just kind of get to like, how do we focus it down to the, you know, the, the, the simplest possible thing and then just go do that really, really well. That is, um, <clears throat> It's, it's a, I, I love my audience. I love software developers. 
that's a, a rare quality to be able to say, uh, we'll start with the simplest version. I mean, a lot of us pay lip service to it, but then the shiny object syndrome kicks in, right? It's it's tough to be a creator. Like as once you start building something, you start to envision all the possibilities, and um, that gets exciting. And and sometimes that internal journey of moving towards that vision can get disconnected with like, wait a sec, all the customers just need us to make like this page load faster. <laughs> right? You know. It's, it's, uh, you know, so, and, and by the way, it's an especially hard problem when you don't even have any customers yet, or you have relatively few. Yeah. So I was a, um, it was a FreshBook, I've been a FreshBook customer for many years, not anymore, because I, I literally don't send out invoices anymore. I just, um, you know, people pay with a payment link or a credit card for my services. But I remember being struck, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago, by the fact that FreshBooks actually wanted FaceTime with customers. I lived in Portland, Oregon at the time, and you guys sent out a sort of traveling road crew to, I don't know, go, go to a bar and invite all your FreshBook users in Portland, Oregon to show up to the bar and just interact with you guys. And I remember being struck by that. I, I just never saw that from any other SaaS company. I'm sure it's not completely unprecedented, but it was it was still pretty remarkable. So you've been on, it sounds like on the receiving end of quite a bit of customer interaction, Mike, what have you seen among those who have specialized? Like what, what do you notice about them? Um, well, you know, I actually, um, and I don't know what's the chicken or the egg, if you will, but like, I, I find that they're more um, confident and in touch with their market. Right. Uh and and this is like, I don't know if that's the kind of thing you're looking for, but it, it's true in my experience, right? Those folks who do specialize, like they're, you know, they're a little more strategic, a little more sophisticated generally. And and I think part of that's because, you know, their work is is reinforcing from client to client as opposed to like always new and trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. So, um uh, yeah, it, in terms of what I'm looking for, it's definitely not like a loaded question, even though like I, I would love for you to disagree with my premise that specialization is generally useful if that's what you've seen. But you're saying uh, a sort of greater confidence, a greater insight into their market. H- how does that show up? Like, what does that look? I mean, can you kind of bring that to life with a story or I mean, you don't have to name names. I'm just funny. I, I'm picturing myself, you know, in a. uh you know, at a, a customer meetup in Chicago, and and I like I do not remember this individual's name, but you know they were in IT and they were talking about you know implementations they're doing uh, uh, for this customer segment. Mm-hmm. I, enough, I think it was hospitality. So mm-hmm. so um, they just like when you reduce the number of variables, you can get a better understanding of which variables are in fact changing and moving. Right. Right. Uh, And so, um, you know, they would be talking about working with these different clients and helping them get set up and started. And they, they really knew the differences between one organization and another, like it wasn't random, like they'd done this 10 times and it's like, Oh, some are like this and some are like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think once you start talking at that, you know, level about how you serve others, you know, uh, that confidence, like it, it comes through to somebody who wants to buy that service from you because it's like, yeah, this is, you know, you actually, you really know 
what you're talking about and what's going on. And, and um, that's what I want to buy. That's great. What else? What else do you notice about them? About again, about they generally charge more. Do you have Do you have data on that? I I am sure you have to be careful with that, but you know, I I think uh, I don't think we've begun to figure out you know almost what data we really do have, and I, we don't ask people like, do you specialize per se? So right. You know, we we don't have cuts of the data that I have at you know my fingertips or sure, otherwise sure. to answer that question. But but uh, you know, by and large, I, I find like revenue per client goes up when you specialize. Mm-hmm. That was my experience in, in talking with others who, who do the same thing. Okay. Do you actually now that we're on that topic, I'm have all these other questions. It, it, do you is there any uh, breakdown that you do have that's public about hourly versus fixed price billing or, or something that's doesn't require you know as much about the service provider, but it just would be obvious from the invoices that this is a fixed price versus an hourly thing. So that is a great, great question, Philip. Um, I I don't, okay. um, but it, but it's interesting. And I was when you were asking the question, I was saying to myself, "Geez, like we wouldn't be able to know for sure necessarily because a lot of people who uh, bill fixed rate still track time, right? So they do sure." Right. But then I got to thinking, well, maybe we could figure it out. So so I'll leave that one with me. I'm, I'm curious, but um, short answer is no. I, of course, I'm thinking about the, the super interesting content marketing pieces you see um, online dating sites release about, yeah, you because know, they have this data that it's just very interesting when you slice it the right way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thanks, Mike. Um, one last thing I'd, I'd love to talk about this mm-hmm. book that you published. Mm-hmm. What, what was it like writing that? Was that the first book you've published? Is that the last book you've published? Uh, tell me, tell our listeners a little bit about that experience. Okay. Um, so I will start by saying I had a great partner in writing this book. And so I am, uh, uh, I, I think what, what I, I had a partnership with somebody who was a, a great writer and, and uh, I was the domain expert. I knew what we needed to convey. I had some thoughts about how we might convey it. But the, the, the book, Breaking the Time Barrier, it takes about one hour to read. It's free. If it doesn't completely change your outlook on pricing and communicating with your clients, uh, well, all that would mean is you're living in a pretty evolved place already, but mo- most of us aren't. Yeah. And uh, it, it's written as like a fable. And so uh, Donald Cowper, who I wrote it with, he, he turned what I wanted to communicate and all the concepts into a story. And uh, it was pretty remarkable. Like I was, I was kind of blown away with actually the first, we had a couple of drafts that were not it. Uh And then he just kind of went away and he came back and I was like, Oh my gosh, we're like almost there. How did you do that? Right. So he, uh, he really found another way to do it. We we actually wrote a second one together, which haven't released just yet. But um, so that was my experience of it. Then I was kind of editing and tuning and just, you know, because he wasn't the expert, I was, um, my responsibility was like, okay, you're close, but this concept, that's not actually quite the dynamic and how it works. And let's, let's reframe the telling of this part of the story to make the, the point really land in the right way. So it was, it was a partnership. I'm grateful for that. And, um, you know, back to like, did we work with a publisher and all these kinds of things? We actually didn't. What we did is we just emailed it for free to our clients to begin mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. We actually started out with, um, we let people, uh, we, we said, hey, you can download it for free, 
but we want you to read it and then come back and pay us and tell you how much you think it's worth. Okay. And we had, you know, people come back and pay us over a hundred dollars for the free book. Whoa. Wow. Because, nice. Because they, yeah, because they, they, they were like, wow, this book is, is super valuable. So, uh, so that was kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's the most someone paid for it? Like what was the high watermark in terms of self pricing? Uh, what was the high watermark in terms of self pricing? Um, I, you know, to be honest, I know it was over a hundred bucks. Okay. I, I think we might've got to a few hundred bucks, but I think that was, I think it was a, a lawyer paid us a few hundred bucks, but, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was, I, I hope, I hope they took the advice. Uh, no one loves paying lawyers by the seven minute <laughs> interval. <laughs> no, that's, uh, that's right. So what's the second book you're working on? Well, it's, it's, uh, it's again for a, a similar kind of customer, but you know, it's, it's really a story of, of how do you grow your business when you're a service-based, uh, you know, business person who, mm-hmm. who does send invoices, but who ultimately serves others. And there are a different way of building your business when you're, you're that kind of a, a business. I believe there is. And, and we kind of walk through, you know, how to think about that, some of the common missteps and, you know, poor investments and, and the right way to do it. That's great. Well, Mike, uh, thanks so much for talking to me today. Is there some place you would send folks to find out more or uh, touch base or whatever you think would they'd be interested in doing? Um, uh, th- thank you for asking, Philip. Yeah, I, you know, I'd say, hey, if you send invoices, use FreshBooks. Uh, you can check us out for free at, uh, you know, freshbooks.com. There's a trial there. You can try it out. And, um, you know, we really hope you love it. And I'll, I'll put one call in there, uh, which is uh, uh, please phone us. We are a... Uh, huge service business. We serve people who serve others and we love hearing from you, whether it be at a customer meetup, if we're in your town as a customer, or um, if you have a problem ever, please send us an email or a phone call. Uh, great service is, is, you know, what we're all about. We call it uh, the 4E level of service, executing extraordinary experiences every day. And, and uh, we, we recognize that you're busy doing what you do. Uh, and you know, when you need a helping hand, uh, we just want to be there for you in a competent and, uh, you know, fast manner. So you can get back to doing what you love. Mike, thanks again for taking the time to, to speak today. Thank you, Philip. Great, uh, great speaking with you.